faith and ideals give us dreams, but the reality we inherit limits how we can work toward making those dreams and hopes come true. Incarnation means that we, like Jesus, live in a world we're given, a world in which we achieve less than we wish to advance the reign of God. The war in Ukraine is such a situation, one in which hopes for peace may have to work through violence. I'm Bill Grimm, reporting from Tokyo. I never met my Uncle Martin. If he were alive today, he would be in his 90s, but he died when he was three years old, victim of what would today be a minor infection. However, before the development of antibiotics, there was no such thing as a minor infection. Had Martin caught that infection two decades later, he probably would not have died. He was a victim of the not yet that living when he did imposed upon him and his family. That's the problem with living in time rather than some sort of timeless eternity. The past puts limits on us in the present, while the future only tantalizes us with hopes and possibilities that may happen, but will themselves be limited by constraints handed on from and through our time. There's no such thing as starting from scratch. We cannot erase the past and start anew. We must build on what the past presents to us, advancing the good and ameliorating the bad but we cannot start over. Our action or inaction occurs in a context that shapes it and forces a response that falls short of any ideal. And so my grandparents could only watch, weep and pray as their little boy suffered and died. Jesus lived with the same such limitations. The incarnation means that he, though God the Son, was hemmed in by his time, his culture, his language, his religion, his education, his society, and much else. He transcended many aspects of it, but there was much he could not do. He and we can only live in the world we inherit and inhabit. That is why searching scripture for simple answers to modern challenges is seldom of use. WWJD, what would Jesus do, today is unknowable because he did not have to do what we must do. That is one of the reasons that Christian doctrine and practice have evolved over the millennia. They must redo their do in every new age. That uncomfortable truth faces us as we gaze horrified at Russia's war against Ukraine. While there are people, generally people far removed from the reality, who like war for political or voyeuristic reasons, most of us want peace despite the different descriptions and conditions we might give to it. Vladimir Putin has created a context of violence for Ukraine and the rest of the world that cannot be met solely by nonviolence. It must be met with varying degrees of regret-filled counterviolence. The alternative is to allow violent bullying to go unconfronted in any realistically effective way. The war in Ukraine poses a challenge to absolute pacifism that would condemn any military action or at least refrain from supporting it. We know that the violent response to Russia's attack and violations against the few norms to limit atrocities in war will do little to relieve the world of violence. That response may even create a new Cold War if it does not expand to the broader World War III that Russia's foreign minister has threatened. In fact, by supplying Ukraine with weapons and military intelligence while damaging the Russian economy and oligarchs through sanctions and confiscations, other countries are engaging in that war by proxy. Is there a realistic alternative? 
If it were possible to reset the world to a state where violence could, in fact, be headed off or halted by innocence, then nonviolence of the sort epitomized by saints like Mohandas Gandhi and Martin Luther King would be more generally effective than it has been. Thanks in part to their example, a case can be made that nonviolence is growing as a way to defang the demon of violence. Perhaps through activities such as theirs, the world will one day be violence-free. We can and must hope, pray, and work for that day. It took the worst war in history to stop the genocidal madness of Nazi Germany and Japan in the last century, and there's no reason to believe that anything other than war would have done so. One result of that horrific violence was revulsion toward much that was considered normal until then and is now deemed atrocity. Russia's use of indiscriminate urban bombing and the threats to use tactical nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons are condemned as a throwback to a kind of warfare that in Europe, at least, has been outgrown. So perhaps we are advancing, but the day when violence can be halted by nonviolence has not yet come, and we must live without a reset button in a world of not yet. That means that even we who follow the Prince of Peace must in some situations accede to and even participate in war with the hope that it may somehow make the situation better for those who come after us. As my grandparents faced Martin's illness and death, I assume they hoped for a day when other parents would not endure the same. Follow us on our Twitter handle at UCA News for all the news and analysis. This Union of Catholic Asian News podcast is produced by Binu Alex. We need your support to continue reporting news, features, commentaries and analysis on and about the church in Asia. Log on to ucanews.com slash donate to do your bit, however small it may be.